I have three things and one of them is not important. So I'm going to start with that. Okay. So, you know, I broke my tooth. Right. And so I went to the dentist and they fixed it. And you know, when like they do the stuff in your mouth and you get done and your mouth's like funny. So you're like trying to get all the weird stuff that they put in your mouth, out of your mouth. They have like fluoride or like pieces of leftover. Are we talking like, about like you're still at the dentist or you've already gone, you've already left? You're like on your way out. Mm -hmm. So like, like when they do impressions, there's like leftover foam and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about or am I just making this up? I haven't had a dental impression since I got braces in like fifth grade. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, how about fluoride? I don't know. Like they rinse it out when I'm there. Like I don't, I don't know. Maybe you just have a bad oh. dentist. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, me or you? You. Because, no, I think this is pretty standard at this point <laughs> that they like paint it on your teeth and then, you know, you go about your life and, uh -huh. um, yeah, you, but I'm I guess this I'm sure, I'm sure because some people listening know what you're talking about. I mean, and I'm just being weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, so they do the paint on fluoride. This, I guess this doesn't even apply here because what they did was they, like they did, um, bonding to my teeth. So there's like chunks and pieces left over and whatnot. But what I realized is I can remember as a kid, I'd like run my tongue, you know, like around my mouth. And I felt like I could reach 100% of what's in my mouth, you know? And now I feel like at some point in time, it went from like a hundred percent to 95%. And there's a 5% in each quadrant that I'm incapable of reaching with my tongue. And I want to know if it's just me or if everybody's like that. You can't reach it. Like you can't lick it. And when you no, say this, so like if you, if you put your tongue right now, yeah, towards like towards towards the corner, like as far as, but on the outside of your teeth, um, I mean, like you go around them. Uh -huh. Can you reach like the the very corner of it? <laughs> like maybe because I got a crazy long pro. I can reach everything with my tongue. I got like a three and a half yeah. inch tongue. Yeah, uh huh. So you can reach hundred percent of your mouth. Uh huh. I'm gonna. Oh, well, the lower sides are a little bit harder for me because I can't twist my tongue to get the top of it. There's like a remaining 5% that I'm not getting. I also have uh, mandibular tori, which means like the the bone muscles, bone muscles, not, it's just the bone. It, it grows a little extra. Um, it looks funny, but it's, there's nothing wrong with it. But so I was wondering if that was. That's it. what she said. I figure as we're doing this, everybody listening is like <laughs> trying to see if they can, if they can reach their entire mouth. If, I was, uh, as you were explaining that, I was like, I was doing it too. I was like, what is he talking about? It's like unavoidable. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. Uh, so the reason is because I like, I noticed that there was like a piece of leftover tooth or something. I don't know what it was, but it was in a, in a place I couldn't reach with my tongue. So I'd actually like use my finger. Hey, it is weird. But I, I came home and I told it to Jenny and then she tried and. I don't know. I, I hope everybody tries it now and finds out if they're capable, you know, if they're me or if they're you, if they can do it. <laughs> I It's not something that I, like, have been growing up and been like, man, that sucks when I used to be able to do this. Or, like, I've always <laughs> been able to do this. You know, it's just, it's not a thing. No, I know. And that's why, I don't know, when it happened, I just thought, wait a second. I felt like I used to be able to do this. What happened? Something changed. But anyway. <laughs> So that's that like, was like, that's like me walking upstairs without my knees hurting. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like I used to be able to do this. And now for some reason, <laughs> what happened? Um, second, I want to talk about stack marketer. So right, this is actually applicable to marketing and stuff. They sent one, it was last yesterday, yesterday. Um, and I, I want to pull it up actually. 
Give me a second. I'll pull it up. Because they said something, and I'm ready to fight. It was... I'm so behind on my stack marketer emails. Like, I've got, like, four of them in my inbox. Really? Yeah. I don't, okay. Yeah. I, I refuse to just, like, not read them. Yeah, yeah. No, there's good stuff every time, too. Have you been putting the um, the link in the description of episodes? No, but I will on this one. Yeah, I mean, so for people listening, there's a referral link. We don't get money or anything, but they do keep track. We get swag. Um, I guess and they do. Yeah, they have swag. So Jake and I both have one, but um, so I at first Jake was like, I don't want to do it because it doesn't seem fair because we should both do it. I'm like, I don't care. Like, let's how about we just have one person do it and then um, if we hit their maximum or whatever, then we'll switch it over or something. But it's not a big deal. It's just do it for the sake of doing it. Honestly, I, I don't care. You should sign up because it's the only newsletter that I pay attention to in the industry anymore. I don't have time to read all the other ones. Um, and they cover everything, like literally everything. So you should do it because it's worth your time. Um, but okay. So it was, it was about overlay ads and I want to read it verbatim. Oh, I did read this one. Yeah. I did read this one. Yes. (laughs) So they said YouTube has decided to scrap overlay ads. And these are the pop-up banner ads. So, you know, uh, 728 by 90, by 92. I can't remember the exact number now. We don't do much with, as much with display. Um, 90. 90. Okay, there we go. Um, They're scrapping it starting April. And they said, how did they say it? Um, Can't say anyone. I think the direct quote was, we're scrapping it, nerds. See ya. (laughs) They said, can't say anyone will miss them. But let me tell you, this ad format was sweet. And the reason was... Let's say you run a e-commerce company. You, you do something nationally or internationally, not lead gen. Lead gen's not the best example for this. Um, well, I guess it could be. <clears throat> but so I was running a campaign for horse supplements, which is hilarious. Um, but we were doing a sweepstakes promo through with display ads and half of the placements were on YouTube. No joke. And unfortunately, Google doesn't let you split them. Like you can't do display YouTube, even though it's absolutely major uh, platform and uh, like a lot of your display ads will go there if it's applicable to your audience. Um, but we found a lot of people converting there and it was because the channels were hyper relevant to the horse industry. It was really, it was also like horse girls doing horse girl stuff. You know what I mean? Where they're like, hey, it can go one of two ways. <laughs> Okay, the way I've met is <laughs> my dad is a multimillionaire. I live this wonderful life with horses. And this is my fun YouTube channel where I talk about my excessive upper class lifestyle. Um, hmm, yes, that's pretty much what it was. Um, but the channels that converted were repeat converters. So you could then do partnerships, you could reach out to those channels. So this was a way of working around the manual work of how do I find relevant channels in the industry that I could partner with? Because that's what everybody wants to know when you have a company that's relevant like that is, okay, it'd be a good idea to partner with YouTubers. It's always good to have partnerships with creators to you know, get more awareness, promote my stuff, that sort of thing. But it does take time to find them. But when you do a display campaign and it went with that placement, if it converted, you kind of knew that, that it like pre-qualified that that was a good placement to go with. And they're going to scrap it now. And that's a bummer. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, uh, well, I, I I believed it when they said, can't say anybody will miss them because from a user's perspective, I think they are kind of annoying, especially for if you're not an ad engager like me. Yeah. Because they do just like overlay on the video and you're like, dude, go away. <laughs> yeah, I can see like, I can see why people wouldn't like them. 
You know where they don't overlay on though? When you're watching YouTube on TV. Yeah. As I was today. Yep. That's grown a ton. Okay, but I had I said three, I got one left, and it's um I need to apologize because in a recent episode I was complaining about people not leaving reviews, but I'm dumb and I, I don't actually know a lot about podcasting and I I meant like reviews on Apple. So if you're listening on Apple, please do. <laughs> Well, because like our lot. Spotify rating just like shot up, and we're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So our Spotify ratings are good, um, but I didn't know. I again, I I don't know. I don't know this stuff. I, I'm having fun. It's yeah, great. but Spotify rating is for the lazy raters because you yeah, don't get so, to say anything. Yeah, it's just a star rating. I didn't know that. Um, so if you're listening on Spotify, well, thank you. Uh, and if you haven't left your rating, please do, because that's cool too. Um, but yeah, there's no comments. That's on Apple. So if you're li- listening on Apple, you know, please do actually leave a comment because we do appreciate that. But I, I didn't even know um, that we had um, reviews on Spotify and that was actually great. So thank you all for that. And sorry for, for getting uh, sassy because I will I, say though, I'm dumb. The Spotify reviews, like the rating is only available in the Spotify app. And I've only found it on mobile. I don't have the Spotify app on desktop, so I can't tell you. But it's only on mobile, which is dumb. And I, I just don't understand it or like their positioning with rating. But I don't know. Maybe they'll actually get reviews coming out because they're they're going through quite a lot of changes right now. Anchor is now podcast by Spotify. So I've got to change that on the website now. Or do I? Because people are just like familiar with Anchor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so, well, I lost it. It was good. It was something that was important. You were apologizing. It, it was about, oh, so like half of our, half of our listeners, what's our stats? Like the breakdown is like half is Spotify. Yeah. Here, I'll look right now. Our audience is, yeah, so 46.5% from Spotify. And then it's 27.4% from Apple. And the rest are from, um, people who listen on the website, which is 12.9%. And then there's some kind of other ones like Google and Stitcher. And I don't know what other is, but apparently there are other platforms people are listening on. Like Schmitcher. Stitcher? Yeah, it's like discount. Sti- I don't know. I was just trying to think something. <laughs> <laughs> that that like, is so yeah, easy. You're like, Schmitt, No, you're like, yeah. I don't know. It's the smile. No. Anyway. Yeah, so majority of the, yeah, so over half of all of our, or almost half of all of our listeners are listening on Spotify. Yep, sounds about right. Anyway, those are the, those are. But half of them could be from Apple if there were more reviews. Yeah, yep. So, yeah, please, I I don't want to beat this to death. I'll stop doing it as much too, but like, if you haven't, do it. That's all I'm going to say. Please (laughs) leave a review. All right, well, moving on. Um, Okay, so we we have an episode today that's very... Uh, it's actually kind of two-sided. Cody and I kind of share different beliefs on it, but it's it's weird because it's not actually, if you know Cody and myself, Cody and me, us, us, we, we actually have the opposite view on this that you would think for each of us. And um, I've been seeing a lot of a lot of stuff in some Facebook groups regarding some of this uh, or some of the advice that people are giving. And it's kind of how I've formed my opinion on it as well. It's also kind of re- related to how I started Everbrow and kind of the intention that I've, I took with that, and as well as this podcast as well. But today's episode is actually about uh, kind of finding the equilibrium be- behind 
just starting your agency or starting whatever venture you're going on to versus taking time and planning. And mm -hmm. there's a point where in which you can plan too much at least I believe and then there's a point at which you can start too soon without planning and I wanted and, and Cody you actually brought this to me you were like hey I've got a bunch of feels on this and <laughs> and you seem kind of annoyed I'm like all right <laughs> it's funny because I have the opposite of you but let's uh I want to hear you out what say you well yeah and it's not not even necessarily opposite view it's that our opinions are influenced by our personalities and I'm, I'm a very cautious planner to the point that left to my own devices, I will not move fast enough. I need pushed a little, um, whereas Jake probably needs a little bit of a break sometimes, right. To, to stop and, uh, analyze things. Right. So, um, both of our perspectives are shaped from that. And, um, so I, there's a balance and equilibrium, but most of my thoughts are around especially because people are listening to a podcast. And I think the people who are spending time to do this, we've talked about it before. If you're not also working on something or doing something, once stop listening and start, start doing something like even if it, if it is planning, right, that can be appropriate, but don't, don't do nothing. Don't just, you know, let yourself plan forever and never take any action. And I wrote down lots of, uh, feels on that in particular, but um, Jake, I'll let you talk a little bit about the inverse feeling and the approach to that. Uh, I think the, I think, I think a very damaging thing you can do is start too, too early without putting any thought into what you're doing. And there's uh, the reason why I've kind of formed part of the reason why I've kind of formed my belief is because I like to go against the grain of what all the other gurus out there are saying, because in my mind, if they're all saying one thing, it's probably wrong because <laughs> it's just the guru thing and it's like I just hate them so much and but it's also it's also kind of true too I mean I I won't do any I won't start anything unless I've put a lot of thought into it but the, my my downfall of my personality of, of what I am is once I've started something that I've, I've committed to I will build I will try to build on it too fast and I I will I will move in different directions with it and that, that's kind of where you come come into the place. Uh, but I won't I, I won't start something from from ground zero without thinking a, a lot about it first. Mm. And I did that with Evergrow. Started I thought about my niche, the services I was going to offer, kind of my positioning in the market. And I do the same thing with content I want to write or even episodes I want to produce. Even this podcast, there was a ton of thought put into it. It wasn't just us grabbing a microphone and then going it was it was me actually getting you know researching podcast equipment because i wanted to start off on the right foot i didn't want to just sound like we're recording off of two iphones separately and then like splicing audio together no uh, that was just me yeah that was you so right <laughs> uh and i want to do it right i mean it's why cody and i both use obs while cody's not using obs right now uh just to record everything and then a dual recording on google meet and the first 15 episodes are structured very they're they're very structured it is it is literally how to start your agency uh one through 15 and then everything else is kind of secondary and tertiary after that um but the first 15 were very thought out and planned out and then even now even now and then we get into like three or four episode sprints where they're going to be a series so we've got a, a couple episodes coming up about 
uh, why it's important for your clients to know about target cost per acquisition and uh, the importance of tracking and Google Analytics and things like that, regardless of the agency that you are. But I didn't want to have that conversation. I don't know. Those are that's a two parter, and we didn't want to have it earlier because we only had one week between the interview that we had last week and you know coming you know afterwards basically. So uh, we threw in the episode about uh, the episode. Well, now two weeks ago, about um, God, what was that one? I was just listening to it. It just came out today. <laughs> well, actually, I have Spotify. I mean, uh, Anchor open right now. I'll tell you. Oh, it was the episode about how you need uh, more how you don't need any money to start an agency. So like that one was almost like the filler episode between the interview. And then, you know, now we'll have uh, room to make these, these sequential episodes. But basically that's just a long tangent, just to say that there's just a lot of planning that goes into a lot of things that I want to execute, but I don't take too long to do it. And if I do take too long to do it, it's probably not that important. So yeah, those are my feels. Yeah. So I, I want to, I have a list. I wrote down a list. Did you check I it twice? Say, I, I didn't. Nope. This just, it was a run on, <laughs> but it's too, I wanted to say it to the planners the people who are too careful of planners, uh, and tell them like you, you're planning too much, right? Like you got to determine when to take action. And, uh, I think part of that is some people will say you need a business plan. I think you need a business model. I don't know how thorough you need to write out a multi-page document, you know, 20 page business plan, but you do need a business model of how you plan to, you intend to make money and intend to make it scale. Ours, our business plan, if you want to call it that was a slideshow a PDF of how we would approach, um, growth in the business. And it worked well and it continues to work well for us. There are probably less than like 200 words on it. it oh yeah. 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 It's just a slideshow of, of pictures because Cody can't spell. So um, okay. So I, I do want to go, I'll just start going through them. And then like, if you have a, the flip perspective, um, like, let me know what you think. I will. But the first thing is counterintuitive and it's just to remind people that you don't have to do this, <laughs> but truly this isn't for everybody. Right. Um, if, especially if you're a careful planner and you keep finding yourself planning and planning and planning. And not just lately, I mean, for years, if you've done this for years and years of your life, either stop, finally take the jump, make the risk, or just accept that it's not for you. That's fine. Not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. Like companies need S tier players, top team or yeah, a team, you know, what is it? S S is gaming a, you know, the best, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can make good money there. I mean that's important and you you don't have to be at the very tip top you don't have to be the one calling the shots there's also a level of security and and um uh peace of mind at being like an s tier player for another agency like you can be entrepreneurial but still work for somebody if you're given the freedom and those and those constraints and maybe that's what you're that's what you're really looking for you're really looking for the the entrepreneurial vibe and and control of your own schedule and work but the but not the weight and the responsibility that comes with owning a business and hiring people and also acquisition yeah so the the second one i wrote too and again this is a balance thing but i I understand it does take time to build confidence in yourself so getting to a point where you feel good enough with yourself to actually go and conduct business uh does take time 
And maybe listening to podcasts is how you do that. That's a good thing. Like we want to build you up. We don't want to tear you down. So that's the other thing too, is if you're in that stage, make sure you are getting built up, not tore down. So don't put yourself in surroundings with people who tear you down. Only, only be in places that build you up. When people tell me they're going to do something, I'm not the person who says, I doubt it. I'm the one who says, great, go do it. That's weird. I don't like haters. I don't understand why they do it. I truly believe when people want to do something, I'm like, go get it. hundred percent. You can do it. <laughs> they're right on me of South Park. You can do it. It's all up to you. Good. <laughs> um, I, I agree. The only thing I'll add to that, I have the, I have this uh, really bad thing that I do where people say, I want to do this. And then like immediately I start dissecting the thing that they want to do and being like, here's how to make it successful. But like, I never like go the opposite direction that a lot of people go, which is, which is basically like, this isn't going to be good. Here's, here's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll usually come in and say, this is an idea. Uh, it might be a bad idea, but then I would kind of say like, it might be better if you do it, if you kind of go this angle versus, you know, I'll put my own spin on it. And I, I probably, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> I should ask people if they want my advice because my advice isn't always great. <laughs> But I mean, like, you know, if I was doing it, this is what I would do. But I always try to make someone's idea successful as like a foundational idea mm-hmm. when I, when I jump into those. So, um, but, well, it, it is good to get the reality check too, though. Like if you, you don't, you don't want to go into a business or develop a business model that is just terrible. Somebody along the way should remind you and be like, hey, look, nobody's uh, going to buy shoes for $100,000 when they don't know what you are. I, know, did, but. I, I did this to somebody. I, I wasn't like, it was a couple of years ago. It was, I think in the, I think they were in my family or they're like a friend of mine. And they're like, I want to do this. And I said, uh, are you sure there's a market for that? Because you can just do this. And I can't remember what it was, but they were like, well, it sounded good in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it is good to get the balance, but don't, don't let people, there's a difference between having people be constructive and then be mean and mean people are just not good people to surround yourself with. So if you know too, that you need built up and, uh, like an accountability person to also build that confidence in you, that's a good time when you get a partner, um, so that you, you do find this middle where you build each other up, you hold each other up and you grow with each other. Um, course that's easier said than done takes time to find a partner that you can really like and appreciate and and do that with but um you know put yourself in the environments where excuse me i'm dying today well i have no idea why i don't even think i'm sick (laughs) is your mouth dry (laughs) let me eat something like a pretzel (laughs) i'm not crying though like my eyes are watery (laughs) i want to eat something that's even drier well i've been drinking it it's not doing it i've been drinking lots of water This is a nice little interim. <laughs> I should put the audio of like the uh, intermission that Cody's dying. He's ruining the podcast. I have no idea. Okay, I think I'm better now. Maybe. <laughs> what was I saying? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm lost. Uh, <clears throat> it was about getting a partner. Oh, yeah. Put yourself in the environments where you're going to meet those people, right? Go to the meetups. Do the networking. I know it's dumb, but it is a real thing. And you might not find uh, a partner there, but you might find the person that connects you to a future partner, uh, that sort of thing. So those are good ideas. Networking is a really good point because I was thinking that there should be episode of where we talk about networking because there's a lot of people who just network to network and they don't actually understand what networking means. 
and Skyler talked about it in the last episode where you, you were at the very end where you asked him what was the biggest game changer for him. Or maybe that was me in terms of acquisition. And it was us- utilizing your strategic partnerships. And not everyone is going to be a strategic partner. Sh- partner. Some of the people that you, you network with are just stupid idiots just like you. <laughs> and, and, and they're never going to go anywhere. And and I don't say that like that that's you. I'm saying like that was me thinking that networking was just getting to know as many possible people that I can in the industry. But there's sometimes you can network with the wrong with the wrong people or spend too much time networking with the wrong people or people that won't get you to where you need to go. But that's really for like a whole nother episode though. Well, it's important to note that some people are professional networkers. Like that's what a recruiter is effectively. They spend all day on LinkedIn and uh, talk to people and they go to events and they talk to people and that's their job is just to be connected. And I used to think it's dumb. And then you realize later on that, no, it's actually really important. Even if you don't like doing it, even how you do it is different. Um, Doing it to some capacity is still important. Yeah. But I'd be doing it more in your niche. There's a lot of people that I see in some of these marketing groups that just kind of, they, um, they network with other marketers, which I think is a little weird and not like within their niche because you're not getting money from those marketers. You're getting money from your niche. And so you should be networking with people there unless you're like, unless you're like super into like setting and closing, I guess, which I think is dumb, but no, that's, that's a dangerous place to get into is because it makes you feel it's the difference between being busy and being productive because you, you hang out with these people and you feel like you're accomplishing a lot because every day you do a lot of things, but then you look back on the day when it's over and you realize that nothing that you did actually brought you any closer to where you want to be. So be careful because it is fun to hang out with some of those people, but they're not going to actually get you closer to your end goals. So yeah, maybe limit your time in those environments. Uh, But you said something about dumb people. And that was my next point, which is (laughs) this is the number one thing that should bother uh, over planners. And it's that dumber people are making more money than you because they're willing to take risks. And that's it. (laughs) Ow. (laughs) It's the truth. I mean, everybody, everybody's seen it. They've had it. Maybe they haven't had it or, but not personally, but they've seen it too, because it's like a, it's a cliche at this point where they're like, oh, my boss is so dumb. Yeah. But they're risky. They're willing to take risks and there's a lot of value. And, um, like, especially in the U S we reward the risk takers. So I do, that should be enough to, to, you know catapult you into action is knowing that look you're more than capable of doing this i do have a slight deviation so so we're three and one right now i agreed with you on three topics on this one i kind of do but i'll i'll put my uh my input in there and i think i think yes you should take risks but you should do i mean and you'll agree with me on this you'll you'll you should do everything you possibly can to mitigate your risk and which means risks are good for growth cody you made a risk when you jump ship when you went from your full-time job to your part-time job to, to the part-time position to just not having it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the only risk that I'm really taking is playing fast and loose with my day job and getting fired potentially. But <laughs> you almost spit that water out. Yeah, that was a bad time to take a drunk. <laughs> so like I, I'm, I'm not as risky. Uh, as which is weird because usually you look at me and Cody and you see oh yeah Jake's the risky one, but 
I think there's a lot of more value in, in planning before taking the risk. Is is planning how impactful is that risk going to be? Can you mitigate it? And then is the risk you're taking intelligent? Is it, it is a smart risk to take or what are the downsides? Do you have a safety net? Things like that. And I'm sure you agree with it as well. But yeah, 100%. I, I also think that the dumb people that are making more than me or made more than me, like in my last job or whatever, I also think that they made more than me but there's, there's two contingencies. One is they weren't going to make more than me for very much longer because their risk got them there. But if they're still risky, it can take them out of that role as well. Yeah. The other thing too is the risk got them there, but they could just stop there. And I, I see a lot of people in management do that. They just get to that spot and then they take their 3% raise every year and then they die. And yeah. But when you plan, you know maybe they do make more than you now, but five years down the road, you'll make the same amount of money. And then five years after that, you'll make three times what they do. So what is your, okay. So the flip side, then if you are naturally more, uh, more of a action taker and less of a planner, how do you, how do you analyze your, your risk and then safeguard it to make sure that you're not doing something dumb? Like, how do you, if you're, if you, if you're normally more of an action taker, how do you minimize your risk? If you are the action person? What's your approach? Contrary to popular belief, I'm like, I've never really been an action person. Uh, I I didn't ever even go to like, and this is just kind of, I don't know. I don't know why it makes sense to bring it up. But like, I've never even been to a casino until I was. I know. That's the one that blew my mind. (laughs) We talked about this in like the first few episodes, but not until Laura and I went to New Orleans, uh, French Quarter for Mardi Gras in 20. 2022 so last year and yeah we went in with like 20 bucks but and played penny slots for like three hours but we actually came out on top because uh, we got a bunch of drinks for 20 bucks so um i yeah i've just i've never been the action taker or the risk taker but i had there have been situations where i have you you started this company though yeah we went went zero to one yeah i don't don't consider it risky (laughs) It wasn't a risk. It was just like, I'm not risking anything, so why not? And do it. I think that- Yeah, but even that perspective, though, because think of the people listening right now who are afraid to even do that, right? Or maybe afraid is not the word, but they just haven't done it yet. Uh, Even that takes some courage and and some willing to take risks. So what do you say to them or to that? Start it, pussy. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's probably the advice that my dad would give me. Honestly, <laughs> like uh, I, I don't know. I was just tired. I think I was just tired of being in debt and just not having money to do anything. And I was tired. I was I was just exhausted, and I was tired. And I got to a point where I just said, you know, I, I'm just gonna start taking baby steps and and doing it. And I didn't go f- like full bore. Like I didn't just like. You know, I come home from work. I'm like, got to get my website going. Got to like do all of this. Got to get branding done. It was, it was a lot of reading up on like SEO and Google Ads and just like learning and ingesting information and and taking baby steps. And I started researching what I needed for a website. And I I got on Wix because WordPress seemed too complicated for me at the time. So mm-hmm. uh, I just started slowly building. And it took me like a few weeks to build my website out. Probably even longer than that. And it was a terrible looking website it was so awful ask me how long it took me to build my first website i i can i bet i know 
how long did it take you to build your first website? That's a great question, Jake. I'm glad you asked. It took me nine months. Oh my. That? You're talking about C Digital? Mm, no, that, that was never actually a website. That was just a domain. That was my first uh, niche affiliate site for SEO. Oh. Yeah, I, I spent nine months on it because I had to learn everything. And I, I didn't have to because did you build on there definitely, I did. Yeah. I, I could have done some different shortcuts and stuff, but I came into it knowing like, I want to do this for the long haul. So I want to learn it all right from zero. And man, there is so much Googling. Right. Like, yeah, that's what is what is cPanel? What's a cron job? You know, I'm like, that, I, I wasn't when I started, I wasn't quite at that level. I was that was too much for me to take because I was learning everything there was about like just just business ownership and executing SEO services. But like you, your whole thing was having a website. That's how you made money. That's what affiliate marketing is. For me, my was more service based. So it didn't matter what platform the website was on. I just needed to have one. And, um, it was, yeah, it was just a lot. I think the biggest thing that actually got me like going, this is embarrassing to say, I hate this because then I have to give credit to it, but it was taking that Ty Lopez course. Mm. And even though I didn't finish it, even even though I was like, this is, this is a bunch of crap. Um, it actually did get me going and doing my thing. Now I will say that I'm an outlier. The vast majority of like 99% of the people who take those courses don't actually do anything successful with it. They try, but they all fail. And I think there is a mentality shift is where I had already kind of wanted to do this. I just didn't know where to start. And that kind of gave me the legs. And that's the whole point of this podcast. The whole point of this podcast is to save you from things like Ty Lopez or save you from Grant Cardone or, you know, wherever it is that you're purchasing courses from, from either affiliates or setters and closers and things like that. And I just wish I had a podcast like this when I started. You said something that was my next point, basically. You said you were tired of being broke and in debt. You want to get out. You want to make money. And I think for me, everybody's different what motivates them truly, right? But I'm not motivated by the positive goal at the end, which is why, um, well, Jake does all the time too, or like if he mentions money things, I'm like, it's cool, but I don't pay attention <laughs> until it hits the bank account. I don't even notice. Um, the first, the first year we were in business, you didn't take a single dollar from the business until tax time. And you got like a $20,000 payout. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I, that doesn't, it's just not the thing that that does it for me. What does motivate me is fear. I call it fear of the inverse and it's, yeah. What is your life like if it continues how it is now? And are you okay with that? And that goes back to the first thing. If you are, that's fine. But if you're not then that's when you need to do something. If you push this out, you push out your current trajectory five years, are you going to be where you want to be? And if you aren't, then you got to start making some changes. And that's what you got to think about. I think about it every day. It's a memento mori thing, right? You're going to die. And you have to constantly remember what the negative is and your your bad consequence. And it, it might not seem, if it doesn't seem that bad, then okay, no big deal. But if you're terrified at the thought of, you know, getting to be... 50, 60 years old, and you know that at a job you can't make enough money because you don't have the skills. And it's it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship, right? It can be something as simple as, like for me, I hit 28 and I said, man, I wish I knew something other than English. <laughs> and I went back and learned Japanese. So it can be anything, but you got to let the, the fear also motivate you too, instead of just, that's what I think. And that's my perspective. And that's how it works for me is because the, the positive itself isn't enough to drive me. I have to think about 
man, it sounds really scary if my life just keeps going how it is and I end up keep getting older and older and I, I don't do these things before I die because I really want to. Yeah. What, that's how I live my entire life. I, when I was younger, I used to say something, I'll say something all the time. And I was, I never want to be known on my death. If I'm on, on my deathbed, I never want to be known as somebody who couldn't do something. And so I, I, I kind of find it kind of a, a cringy statement now, but basically what it just means is I, everything I do, I want to do it with a hundred percent and that I'm going to try and actually be successful at this. But the problem is, is not everything you are, not everything there is like you can ever be good at because there might be something that you do try and you literally, your brain is just not wired to pick it up. So this is kind of part of my thought process too, is I don't want to start something that I know I can't finish. And Evergrow was a little bit different. And like, I, I refuse to give up on Evergrow because in 2017 is kind of when I conceptualized it. And then it carried over to 2018 and all of 2018, I might've had a one client that lasted two, two months. And I remember going back to my apartment, two bedroom apartment, but one bedroom was just for the office. And oh, this is back when apartment prices were pretty low. <laughs> now I'm not that super high. I was like, I was paying like back before everything crashed. I was paying like $800 for a two bedroom apartment. And I could do that on a, uh, $40,000 salary. And, uh, I remember just like working and the only thing I would be doing would be building out a website or like building out a free website for a friend just to build a portfolio for a freaking year. Like mm-hmm. I just could not get clients. Uh, but also my prices were not super great. I mean, I, I wasn't pricing for what I was actually worth and I was pricing a little bit higher than what I probably should have been. But, and I had tiers that were stupid. There were like phase one ever grow tiers. Um, <laughs> green startup to the rainmaker. I like to give that one so much crap because it's like one of the few failures we've had. And I'm, I just like to, you know, that's, uh, th- that was on. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta talk about it. It's good to talk about the failures. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I was, I was just saying like, I just remember going and, and not having any clients and just continuing to, to work and try to build the brand and network in my niche. And, you know, right when you and I partner up, it, the floodgates opened. I don't even know what happened. I don't know how it happened, but it, I I think it was just that entire year and a half of just building myself slowly in that niche. And then all of a sudden the leads just started kind of rolling in. And yeah, it's like you were a tree and that was the roots, right? I mean, nothing happened up above, but all the growth was happening underneath. Yeah. You're saying you were the roots? No. Everything that you were, oh. I was like fertilizer maybe. Oh yeah. But uh-huh. All the work that you've done, <laughs> <Your> shit, <laughs> just manure dumped on those roots. It's me and manure. <laughs> well, yeah. So um, that's important to remember too. I can't remember where I read this. Uh, I think it was an email by Glenn Alsop. He's the guy who runs this. It was Viper Chill. Now it's detailed. But he talked about a guy who, for like over a decade, hadn't done anything. It was always in the, you know, biggest fan, but never the doer. And then eventually he did. And so I think, look, you can't put a, if, if that's who you are, you can't really put a timeline on it too, as long as you're okay with not living your whole life. That shouldn't scare you either. Living your whole life and having it not work out, you shouldn't be ashamed of that too. Because if that's how you feel, I think you're not, it's not for you. Maybe that's too aggressive. I don't know. I'm going to repeat but, this hey. quote until the day I die. It's... Because th- this is this is probably my biggest deterrent from like starting something. But it was again, it's Earl Nightingale. Don't let the fear of the time it will accomplish to take something stand in the way of your doing it. The time will pass anyway. We might just as well put the passing time to the best possible use. 
and mm-hmm. and and that is that's literally how I live my life. So I want to learn Spanish, for instance. I'm doing that right now. I will never learn Spanish if I don't just do it. And the time's going to pass anyways. The other deterrent that I had, we've talked about this before, was also video games. I just could not step away from video games. It was eating so much of my life. If I had free time, I'd play video games. Now, if I can find free time, I'll study Spanish or I'll continue studying French. Or I'll write something for the Evergrow website or the Everbros website. And But that has also become fun for me as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I it should think, be fun. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think if you're not starting something because you're afraid it's not going to be fun, then don't do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it should be fun. Also, I when I went to college, I sold all my video games because I knew I saw they gave them away because I knew I would have a problem, and I saw it. I saw all the guys in the dorms too, where like you guys have a problem, and that's a it's a weird thing now because gaming it's like an accept, socially it's like drinking in some ways it's become a socially acceptable problem where people say oh it's like its own culture and that's fun and that's cool and. Again, those things are fine as long as you're okay with them and you're happy. If you're not because you have a problem, uh, get rid of it. That's my recommendation. Yeah, and don't enable yourself. It's it's hard like, for me. It just kind of naturally fell off. I mean, it's hard to to quit it cold turkey because you do have a bunch of friends online, and if you're like me, you're an achievement hunter. So your gamer score is going to drop. You're you're not drop, but it's going to be stagnant, and you're not going to you know. I was always afraid of like not collecting the gamer score from the old games and they're going to shut the servers down and I'll never be able to get those achievements again. <laughs> I did that for Halo. I grinded Halo out for like two months because they were shutting down the Halo 2 PC servers and then Halo 3 servers finally went down. But um, I it, it was a gradual thing, but it was because I took those baby steps to, to starting that those baby steps eventually turned into like normal steps and then they started becoming leaps. And then when, by the time they were normal steps, I could probably game once or twice a week and usually just on the weekends. But then when, by the time they were leaps, which is what they are now, I, I can't even look at a console right now. I, I have, well, I have a switch, a Wii. I still have a Wii. I have a Switch. These are great. Well, I, I have a switch, a Wii, a GameCube, a 360 and a one all on my entertainment center and i don't think a single one of them is actually plugged in they're just there for yeah. looks so yeah. okay i wanted i had a question for you because you were talking about being scared before too did you have any like clear panic panic and then like passing through it moments in the business because i can remember one very clearly for me and where i was when it happened a panic. i don't know if you had any a panic yeah where yeah where you were very afraid about what usually the amount of work, right? Or what is going to have to happen um, in the business for it to keep going and be successful. And you either have the option to do it, right? Put your big boy pants on, buckle down, see it through. Or like, hey, I gotta, I gotta, I'm not willing to do what it takes sort of thing. The only time that I had a moment where I got scared was actually when you considered leaving. Mm -hmm. And that was it. But starting this without you or when there was too much work never scared me. I think I think we had a couple of times where we had like three clients kind of pissed off at us at the same time. Like and it was just like in secession in twenty twenty one. And yeah. and I was just like, Oh, like we've gotta we gotta figure something out. And that's when we stopped selling the Rainmaker, actually. Yep. Yeah. So I can remember mine and it was um I was in the condo with Jenny and you had just signed up a bunch of accounts. <laughs> Oh, and... so this is February of 2021. I know exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> and I just realized, like, there goes the whole weekend, right? Like, that's, and and it's not just, like, 
the normal awake time. It's like, I'm going to lose some sleep and the whole weekend. And I wasn't mentally prepared yet, right? I was still afraid of those sacrifices. And then I just thought, this is where it was good to have a partner for me, right? Because if I didn't have a partner and it was just me, it would be very easy to say, yeah, well, okay. Um, I, I don't actually want to do this that badly. But then, you know, I remember like the commitment I made to you and saying like, okay, no, I, I can't let you down. I have to do this. Um, and I have to make it work. So, um, I, I think, I don't know if we've said it before. I'll say it again though, because our original agreement, you were 51%, I was 49%. And the goal was to get us to, uh, 10K MR, MRR, MRGP. We called it MRR, but I think we meant MRGP. Yeah. Monthly return risk profit. And then we would reevaluate either, you know, I come in 50, 50 or, uh, I jump ship, you buy me out, that sort of thing. But, mm -hmm. um, that was also because we just didn't know each other as well yet too. So it was kind of a safeguard on both of our ends to make sure that, um, if we're going to continue working together, everything else goes along with it. Yes. I feel like it's such a weird concept for our listener right here. Like we didn't know each other very well, but we partnered up. Yeah. But how else? I mean, mm, okay. So maybe you're in the crowd of, I worked with this person at the same company. We were employees for several years and then we decided to jump ship and do this ourselves. That that's cool. Um, so maybe we're in a minority in that way. Uh, but partnership stories are always weird, right? I mean, how, I don't know. What about, uh, what, who are the billionaires? Jeff Bezos. Mm, not Musk. Bezos. The older guy. Warren Buffett. Buffett. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is it? Charlie Munger? Is that his name? Yeah. That's his partner. How'd they meet? I don't even know. I don't know either. Let's Google it. Let's history lesson for the people. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger first met over dinner in 1959. Buffett recalled in CNBC special. Buffett and Munger, a wealth of wisdom. The now iconic business partners were introduced to each other through the family of a well-known doctor in Omaha. Cool. How old was he then? Well, it was in 1959. So let's look at... When was Buffett born? He's an old guy. He was born in... Oh, it truncates it. 30s? 1930? 1930. 20, so he was 29 when he met Charlie Munger. Cool. And we were... Bro, bro for life then, right? I mean... Yeah. I was, those guys have been hanging out a long time. Yeah. I was like 21 when I met, 21 to 22 when I met you. And then I was 24, uh, when I think when we partnered up, it was 2017 or 20, 2019, beginning of 2019. So it was that four years ago. Math is hard. Yeah. 20, I was 25 when we partnered up. Cool. Okay. I had one more. This is the one I want to hit people hard with. And this is a, it's a belief I have, and it's in many ways less American especially lately where everybody's all about strong individualism. But I believe that as humans, we have a responsibility to live up to our potential and you owe it to others to do that. You are entitled to live the life you want, but you have to live with the consequences. So when you don't pursue your maximum potential, that's a slap in the face to God. <laughs> I truly believe it. If you are capable, then you have a responsibility. If you can do this and you're not, it's, in, it's an insult. It's an insult to God. It's an insult to your parents. It's an insult to everybody who has made you as capable as you are. You owe it to them to do this, to do the most that you're able to do. Um, I, I would go the route. You owe it to yourself because you get one life and then you're dead. Like, mm. like this is it. Uh, and if you, you, you have really two options and, it, and one option is to pursue the things that uh, you're capable of. And the other option is to live a sedentary life and you know, do the things that socially are constructed for 
what a middle class person is supposed to do with their life. Yeah. Mow the lawn on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's why I say you owe it to yourself is because you will die. Like you you say you memento mori and I this is a lot how I live my life as well. I guess the two quotes that I will live my life by are the Earl Nightingale one and then also Memento Mori. And I don't wanna be uh, you know, I don't wanna be sixty seven years old and getting close to death and realize like I did nothing with my one life and I don't get a second chance. That was yeah, depressing. Yeah. No, that's good. I was like, shut up. Don't say anything else. We just leave them with that. <laughs> Think about that. No, go work. <laughs> that was good. I liked it. No, I will I will say though, like, um, if you're ever curious about, or if you ever like, have some of these questions and you like just gen, like genuinely asking questions about starting an agency or, or where to get started, a lot of these questions are being asked in a group that I'm in, um, that I'm actually a, a moderator of now, but it's, um, marketing agency owners it's got the two fire emojis one on each side of it uh it's run by kevin marcus miller so i think it's a public group right now um but i'm a, i'm an admin of it and every time that i see like recently like yesterday someone posted like how they actually get clients for their social media marketing agency but they abbreviated it like smma i'm like oh no they took a course <laughs> um <laughs> And you're always going to get real advice from me. Um, I told someone today they were they were they charged they were charging fifteen hundred bucks for in the realtor niche, which by the way the realtor niche is a scam. Um, but <laughs> it's not a scam. It's, it's not a scam. It's just everybody does it, and it's just it's you're like, overdone. Hey, overdone. Yeah, it's, it's overdone. Oversaturated, and um, it's not oversaturated with good marketers though. Um, but. It's, uh, I told him, he's like, he wants the results of my past work and he knows he'd be my first client. And I was like, if he's your first, if he knows you're the first client, he's your first client, then he should expect you to not have results. And he wants them to prove it. And I was like, he goes, I, the first month is I'm charging 750 bucks. And then it's 150, hundred every month after that. And I was like, you're not worth that. <laughs> like you're worth maybe a third of that. Maybe. Mm. probably less than that you're probably worth nothing honestly unless, until you get results it's hard to start from zero yeah and and i just told them straight up and if you want straight up advice like that you can do one of three things one you can fill out our form on our website two you can comment on this episode on the website or three you can join this group and then just post something and then we can approve it and then i'll just uh comment on it and we can have a dialogue there cool but it's also a lot of it's also a group where i get a lot of my in, my inspiration for some of these podcasts <laughs> good <laughs> but i think that's everything we had did you have anything else nah i went off i feel i feel like i i don't know this was the one when i came out today i was angry sassy whereas today i was like more polite sassy going off so uh, i just i've been have feelings lately and i just want to get them out i feel like this is a little extra of me lately i gotta go back to my just kind of hanging out in the background but i like uh, i like spicy cody <laughs> It means I have to talk and think less during the episode. <laughs> but I like, I prefer it that way too, though. It's cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you next time. See you.